The Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. Hello. Nature can be cruel and random, with only the slightest slip needed to ensure disaster. My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and dry cleaner, and you are listening to Cinema Limbo. This evening's presentation is the 1994 psychological drama Safe, written and directed by Oscar nominee Todd Haynes, and my guest is my lifelong friend Amanda, a radio professional and comedy expert. You join us in an outpost at the heart of London on one of the year's hottest days. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm okay. very hot. So am I. It's, it's absolutely boiling today. I know. My, I've got a flat that's very hot. And you're sitting in it. I'm sitting in it, yes. It's yeah. very nice. Thank you very much. Had you heard of Safe before? No, absolutely not. Had you heard um, of Todd Haynes? No. I still haven't. Oh. Um, he directed Carol, came out earlier this year. Which I haven't seen. Far From Heaven. No. Nope. Uh, I'm Not There, the um, Bob Dylan film with multiple actors playing Bob Dylan. Is that the one that Kate Blanchett was in? Yes. Nope. Okay, so I've heard of his films, but not... Of oh, you him. have heard of... Sorry, so you've heard of his films. Yeah. You just haven't seen them. Correct. Okay. So are you, t- are you telling me he directed Safe? Yes, he did. <laughs> because... You told me the film, and I've watched it, but I didn't look up anything about it beforehand, and I've looked nothing since, so I don't know how it's reviewed, what the general thoughts about it are. The general thoughts about it are minimal. (laughs) Well, there's few thoughts, or the thoughts that exist are minimal. There are few thoughts. It's one of those films that seems to have come and gone in a flash and been ignored, but since then, Haynes has become very much more successful critically Carol was sort of very highly acclaimed and he's worked on television he's quite a, a major figure in American independent film now what TV has he done? he did a, uh, I think it was for HBO an adaptation of Mildred Pierce I haven't seen it with Kate Winslet okay I've heard of Kate Winslet it was originally a film with Joan Crawford and I think it was a film for which she won her Oscar and then it was adapted as a, as a miniseries okay but um, in all of his films, or in the vast majority of his films, he has an interest in the alienated woman within society. So Carol is a film about same-sex relationships in the 1950s. Yep. Far From Heaven is about a woman who's married to a man who's secretly gay again in the 1950s. And his first film was an animated documentary, for want of a better word, about Karen Carpenter. Okay. So Safe fits into that genre, as it were, quite neatly, I think. Well, in terms of the girl? In ter- yeah, in terms of it, it, it's a story of an alienated woman. That's not the primary theme that came across to me. Well, that's, what, that's the plot. I mean, what, what would you say is the primary theme, then? Action. In what sense? <laughs> just that loads happens. It's, it's just an action <laughs> film, to me. I wouldn't say, if you ask anybody who's seen that film, that it's 
the first thing they say wouldn't be female alienation, would it? You didn't watch the film with Jason Statham, did you? Yeah. Oh, no! As you can tell, there was a slight breakdown in communications between Amanda and I as to which film called Save we were going to be watching. So instead, we decided to carry on talking about movies and television we'd seen recently and would recommend to each other. Okay, we're recording again. Uh, Martin, Martin's the editor. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a breakdown of communication. Uh, Amanda watched the wrong movie with the same name, the Jason Statham film. No, I didn't watch the wrong movie. You I watched watch... a movie called Safe. It's not the movie I, I was intending you to watch. I'm not watching another film called Safe, Jeremy. Oh, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I watched a film with Jason Statham. Right. And what was the film you wanted to watch? Wanted me to watch about? Maybe you can convince me that to watch. Okay. It. And then I'll tell gonna, you what I felt about the Jason Statham book. Um, uh, film. It's about. It's set in the late eighties in. Uh, suburban Southern California and it's about a housewife played by Julianne Moore okay. who She's is quite annoying are you not keen on her? not a big fan okay and she's starting to develop physical symptoms of some sort as if she's allergic to something and she has tests she's, she goes on like sort of doing yoga and all these sort of things to try and improve her health nothing seems to work and she comes upon the idea that she's maybe allergic to her own environment, that she suffers from something called multiple chemical sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But whether or not that's a physical illness or a mental illness is left deliberately vague, and it's actually a real condition. Is it like the guy, in, uh, his brother in Better Call Saul? I haven't seen Better Call Saul. Oh, I mean, I'm sure it's fantastic. Um, so she decides that the best thing is to sort of join this, this kind of cult-like society out in the desert which is sort of away from all these horrible 20th century influences, but she's really just replacing one problem with another. And it's kind of all about the, the cult of the self, that it's saying, oh, you know, these, the, you're, you're making yourself ill, you know, it's, it's all coming from within you. And it's, it's like making people feel guilty that they are ill and forcing them out of guilt to get better, which doesn't work, obviously. Right, without telling me the ending, is it a good ending? It, it's an appropriate ending for the story. Okay. It's a very good film. I mean, I've, I'm amazed that... Well, actually, that Todd Haynes could make a Jason Statham movie. Well, you see, you didn't tell me anything about who directed it. All I knew is it was called Safe. Mm. So it was the one, the film that came up as the... It's, yeah, because that's Safe... I mean, the one thing is... Safe the Todd Haynes one is not available on home video in the UK and it hasn't been for about 20 years okay whereas the Jason Statham one you know you can get from Amazon and what have you yeah so that's the one that would come up top first in searches because that's the one Mm. you can get I think the Todd Haynes film is really good really interesting a film about position uh, roles imposed on women in society and I wanted to have a woman on the show to talk about it because you'd have a woman's perspective on this why because otherwise it would be two blokes talking about women's issues (laughs) and I think I need to actually have someone who has some idea of what's going on I'm glad you ended that sentence as you did (laughs) could have ended differently you know I need to have if you're talking if you're going to talk about a movie that's about I mean essentially it is about feminism you need to actually have a woman on to talk about it with rather than just 
two guys who sort of are vaguely in agreement. Otherwise, there's no discussion, really. Whereas I can do, hopefully, from what you would say about this, I would learn something and the listener could learn something. Well, I don't think you and I would be in, not in agreement. No, but you would offer a different perspective because you're a woman and I'm not. Possibly. And possibly not a woman. <laughs> exactly. I think I'm a woman. Yes, I've just checked. <laughs> so tell me about this Jason Statham movie you watched. <laughs> oh, good grief. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I actually do, I do like Jason Statham. I think he's actually an underrated actor. Well, I don't think I've ever seen anything with Jason Statham in before. Uh-huh. Or, or maybe I have. I don't know. He seems familiar, but I... Um, Guy Ritchie movies. Oh, which ones? Um, most of them. <laughs> OK, um, I may well have seen it. Lockstock and Do Smoking Barrels. He's oh, okay. the lead in Snatch. I have seen that. He just obviously hasn't registered on my radar as kind of a... A lot of not very good action movies. He was well, a... I like Snatch. I like Lockstock. Yeah, apart from... Yeah, well, Snatch is good because he's, he's the centre of this ensemble cast and mm. he's basically the funny character. He's the sarky, clever one who never does any action stuff. And he really gets to show off what a great actor he is in that. Well, funny you should say that, because I think in this film, he's, he's a man of few words, but he's given these um, quips, which right. he does not pull off. Oh, that's a shame. And I think it's partly that they're not particularly funny lines, but he, I don't think his acting is amazing in this. The, trans- the first Transporter movie is a lot of fun. I don't think I've seen so that. Fairly... Straightforward, basic action movie set in the south of France, and Crank. The, first, the two Crank movies are terrific because they are ludicrously over the top, and they know it, and they are increasingly ridiculous to the point where at one point he turns into a giant Godzilla monster to fight the villain who's also turned into a Godzilla monster. So, it's, then, a, so it's a true story then. Yeah, it's based on uh, the, the famous story by Homer. Homer's Crank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's a true story. Either. Uh, so um, what's so what 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 the gist of safe? Well, it's <laughs> the funny thing is, it's got absolutely everything thrown at it. It's quite entertaining. I'm not a big action movie fan, right? But it's pretty entertaining. Um, it, it's hard to tell you exactly what it's about because this it's basically a, there's a young uh, Chinese girl who is a brilliant mathematician. So she gets taken by um, gangsters to use for nefarious work because one of the lines basically is um, we can't put things on a computer because it's too easily accessible so they want this girl to hold all the information which is ridiculous because it's probably a lot easier to write something down than kidnap a person but I mean that aside um, they give her some uh, really long numbers to memorise so all the way through we don't know what these numbers are for Jason Statham is a cage fighter he fights Nicolas Cage. He fights Nicolas Cage in a cage. No, he doesn't do that. That's just silly. But he he's sort of managed by gangsters and he doesn't sort of go down in the seconds like he's supposed to do. So, oh, right. So they kill his pregnant wife. Oh. Which you'd think would make him quite angry. And at the beginning it's set up. I, I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be a revenge movie because he's going to get... You know, killing his pregnant wife isn't a great thing, obviously. But then it turns out he used to be a cop and he used to work with bad cops. I thought you said he used to be a cop. A cop. He used to be a cop. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be a cop. But then he sort of 
ratted out some fellow cops and then it turns out he was in a special ops group and that's why he's such a great fighter. Basically, there's every cliché in it. No, so I made some notes, actually, because there's a story about there's an old rivalry going on. Um, there's gunfights, there's fist fights, he's running on top of a train, there's car chases. He's ex-special ops. I mean, that's quite a familiar theme. Wow, so he's um, ex-special ops, ex-cop, and now a cage fighter. Oh, and he's also a bin man. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, he was a bin, bin man. man. There's, there's a heist, there's gangsters, dead wife, bad cops. He, sat, he was on the streets. By the end of it, he's wearing a suit. Um, basically, and so much happens so quickly it's really really fast but it's quite good fun and i'd recommend you watch it (laughs) well i mean if if it's good at what it's trying to do if it just wants to be an exciting action movie and it is an exciting action movie yeah then that's great then it's achieved what it's trying to do Uh, i think that's the case i like jason statham i'd say it's kind of a three or four star film which pretty good that's not bad i mean for you know a Friday night post-pub action hmm. movie. It, it's the kind of thing that would have been a sort of a Bruce Willis type film in his day, I guess. Hmm. I hate Bruce Willis. Do you? Yeah. Why? He's very smug. Well, you see, I, I loved him because of moon, Moonlighting. I've never seen Moonlighting. Actually, people have told me how great it is. But the thing is, it was probably great for its time and it was quite postmodern in places and things and it was... It, it it sort of brought back that great sort of banter between man and woman that you got in those like forties nineteen forties films, mm. but then the big whole thing about the the big bang when they slept with each other it just went downhill. Oh yeah, but it, no, it was great, really good. I don't, I mean, I did watch it quite recently, um, but I'm not sure that might have been nostalgia making it good for me, whereas somebody coming in fresh from it might not get the same thing out of it. It's worth worth a watch. Series one. I do like Bruce Willis in Death Becomes Her. Hmm. He's just a comic character in that, isn't he? Yeah, and it's but he's doing proper acting because in in his more recent action movies, he's virtually asleep. <laughs> he's making absolutely no effort, and you can see that he's making no effort. But in that, he's properly acting and he's playing a character, and he's really putting everything into creating this character, making yeah. convincing, and acting opposite Meryl Streep. Yeah. Where you have to really And Goldie Hawn. And Goldie Hawn. Well, <laughs> no, one, no one really talks about Goldie Hawn. Oh, as she's great, the Goldie Hawn. And Oscar winner as well, of course. For in what? Cactus Flower, 1969. Oh, okay. One of her first roles. But was it Bruce Willis who was on The One Show and he wasn't sure about the, the Die Hard? Do you know about this? I think it was Die Sounds Hard. Sounds like him. Like the latest Die Hard movie. What was it called? A die good, hard, a, a, die harder. A good day to die hard, or something like that. And I'm sure he, they were saying, "What? What does the title mean?" I don't know. He just got yeah, really. He really doesn't care. Yeah, it's, it's as if he doesn't. You know. He's so lazy. It's terrible. I've heard that in a lot of. I mean, uh, uh, that generation seemed to really be doing badly because Steven Seagal. Apparently, they film a lot of his action scenes in such a way so that he can do them sitting down. <laughs> oh, sorry. You just reminded me as well how. Ricky Gervais introduced him once, was it the Oscars or the Golden Globes, as Ashton right. Kutcher's dad. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite one of those is, um, I think it was Tina Fey, and she said, like a supermodel's vagina, please welcome Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> nice. It's the sort of thing you can get away with when you're Tina Fey. <laughs> well, Absolutely. <laughs> 
So, what have you seen on the other movies recently? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got loads of notes about the, the safe movie. I feel, really, I feel really guilty. You've made so much effort. You've probably written more than I have is as notes, and it's certainly a lot neater than anything that I've written. Do you think so? Yeah. I'm not sure. Is your hand writing better than mine? No, it isn't. No, I th- you, write in, you write in capitals. That's unusual. Yeah. Well, that's because my cursive is almost incomprehensible <laughs> to anyone else. And I'm trying to do it quickly while I'm watching the movie. Seeing as you haven't watched it, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers. Well, I wouldn't worry too much. I doubt it's a heavily plot-based film. It is quite plot-based. It's quite, it gets quite complicated in the last third. But it's probably not a film that one would watch for the plot. One would watch it for the action. And if the action's good... I think the action's good and I think the plot's okay because there's this whole thing about we don't know what these numbers are for oh. and um, yeah, the end's not... I mean, you, you you can tell right from the beginning that he's going to get together with this little girl and be looking after her. But... Right. Oh, she's actually a young yeah, girl? Yeah, she's a young girl. Oh, right, yeah. I see. Yeah. Not uh, like a, an attractive 20-something woman? No, no, so oh, there's okay. none of that going oh. on. If anything, it's like... No. no oh, so, oh, right, because... Right, so he loses his pregnant wife, but he winds up with a surrogate child. Yes. Of some, right. Yes. Lots of and it's open, absolutely there. wide open for sequel. You could just say that any other Jason Statham film was a sequel. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, because because, because the same they're character. pretty much interchangeable. <laughs> but in answer to your question a second ago, I did see a good film recently, which is, um, I can't remember the name of it, it begins with C, it's this people at a dinner party... And then a comet goes overhead, and then they find... Oh, uh, Convergence. Yeah. What did you think of that? Haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> it's good. I've heard about it. I heard that it was largely improvised. Oh, really? That they had, like, a, a scene breakdown, but all the dialogue was sort of developed as they were shooting. I could believe that, because it was very naturalistic. Mm. And it... apparently it was made very, very cheaply. Yeah, and it felt... It could have been a play, because it's really nearly all in one room right and you could have done it so it was all in one room interesting yeah. I think it's on Netflix and I'll, I'll look that up at some point I think it's yeah. in my queue I'd recommend it I actually went to the cinema earlier today mm-hmm. I saw Star Trek Beyond ah, I'd be interested to hear your take on that I was surprised by how much I liked it so written by Simon Pegg co-written by Simon co-written, Pegg he's not yeah. the only writer but they had to throw out the original script from someone else because it was by the writer of um, Star Trek Into Darkness, which is a terrible movie. Is that the second yeah. reboot one? Yeah, that's okay. the one with Benedict Cumberbatch as oh, an seen Indian that. man. Ah, oh, because they couldn't find it because there's not many Indians in the world to no. be in. Okay. Um, Ollie's playing Khan. Oh, as in uh, Mont- Ricardo, um, Ricardo Montalban. And originally they were going to cast Benicio Del Toro and I think yeah he's still not Indian but same nationality as the previous actor yeah but um, no it's cast Benedict Cumberbatch I didn't realise he's Khan because Khan is one of my favourite aspects of original Star Trek because I, I love it's The Wrath of Khan Wrath of I think Khan. it's a brilliant film and, well, I re- and I love the fact that it picked, it does relate to an original episode yeah I think it's brilliant um, Wrath of Khan is a really terrific movie. Yeah. It's it's very cleverly made because more than half of it was filmed on one set. Oh, I didn't know that. Because they needed to save money because the first Star Trek movie was so oh. expensive. I think I'm the, I love the first Star Trek movie as well. Yeah, it's very good. I think it's a great story. It's a great piece of 
cerebral science fiction yeah. because they deliberately try to avoid copying Star Wars by doing no let's do something intelligent something slow paced character based and it was it was a big hit but it also was incredibly expensive mm. so they got the TV division to make the second movie for about a third of the price oh, well. <laughs> so, oh sorry so this new film so the new one I hear that so it starts off and they're all rather bored yeah and it, it sort of goes back to a bit more like the original series so they sort of go onto planets and yeah it feels unlike the, the first two of the reboot movies it f- actually feels like Star Trek oh brilliant um, it has that degree of intelligence that's been missing and that it's actually making a, a point and now that the cast have made two movies together they actually gel as a crew really well so the chemistry between them really works now ironically of course the next movie is going to be one hand short because Anton Yelchin died who played uh, Chekhov Oh, OK. I didn't know. Yeah, he died in a car accident last month. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was really awful. He got home from like, being out. He parked his car outside his house. His driveway was on a slope. But there was a manufacturing fault with his car so that the brakes didn't engage properly. And he walked around behind his car. The brakes failed and it ran him over. Oh, God. And he was killed. And it's absolutely horrible. Now, horrible as that was, would they not just get someone else to play? No, they've already said they won't recast. Oh, really? Um, that seems odd, seeing as he's already recast. Exactly. But it, they're not going to recast within one group. So they're keeping a, a sort of a logic. Yes, it's going to... Actually, I think Pe- Simon Pegg has said that it's, it's now sort of... It, it is a different timeline than the original series. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it diverges in like the beginning of the J.J. Abrams when it goes off on a separate timeline because yeah. of the guy coming back in time and then changing everything. I just said, they had the original reboot <coughs> on, on TV the other day and I started watching it thinking, I think I'd watched it before. And I just, it just didn't really hold my attention. I like at the beginning where sort of Kirk gets sort of brought in and stuff and he does yeah. things that could be, mush, could be actually Maru test, that kind yeah. of stuff. It's quite interesting, but then it just... It held my attention. So, if I want to just watch the third one, because it sounds like it's good, do I need to watch the second one? No. And I shouldn't watch the second one. You shouldn't watch the second one. Okay. You can jump straight from the first. Where, you don't even really need to watch the first one either. Oh, okay. But it's you know it's it's how this new timeline comes to be, and it's a reasonable relaunch of it. But it doesn't really feel right. This feels like Star Trek. Okay. It has all the character stuff. It's it's very funny in places it has a, a good sense of what it's supposed to be okay then I shall watch that I would recommend it okay. I would also highly recommend Ghostbusters the new one well again I've heard generally good stuff about it um, enough so I I don't know if I'd make a special effort to get, I would don't kill me but I'm not a massive fan of the original okay. I, watched, I haven't watched it for a long time I'd probably enjoy it um, but yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way particularly to watch it but if it's you know, if it's on I'd watch it I liked it there's, because there's been so much fuss about it and I've argued on the line about this with thick people <laughs> uh, who don't like girls touching their stuff <laughs> but um, no, it's it's good, it's, it's its own thing it has a different tone to the original so take it you've argued because people have said that it should never be remade with women 
Um, yes, but they've tried to cloak that between under a very feeble smokescreen. <laughs> oh, you can't remake this. Uh, you know, it's sacred the way it is. Well, they, they weren't complaining when people did this to Star Trek seven years ago when they rebooted it with a completely new cast as the same characters. Mm. They were very quiet about that. Well, well, I suppose the beginning, the start is why, why remake it at all? Money. But if you are going to do it, at least do it in a way that has some artistic integrity. And the decision to make it an all-female cast, I think that it makes sense because it means you're avoiding direct comparison with the originals. But is it, is it relevant that they're women? Not massively. It well, just, it just they are. Yeah, so it could have... The, the remake is just to up, make it up to date. Yeah, in a sense. Well, I you, like... You couldn't have had those characters in the new one played by men. So it is relevant they're women. It's not really relevant to the story that they're women, but the way the characters are written, you couldn't have cast men in those roles. In the same way in the original, you couldn't have cast really women as those characters. Could you not have? I don't think so. Uh, it's so long since I've seen it, I can't remember... But it works. It work- I mean, uh, as long as you are willing to accept it on its own terms and not be blinded by your irrational hatred of half the population of the earth, um, it's pretty good fun. I don't hate men that much. Well, good. Let me in. Um, and it's very funny, and um, yeah, it's, I liked it. Okay. So, what else should I watch? Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Safe with Julianne Moore. <laughs> I was talking about what's out at the moment. But oh. Unless, um, unless they just re-release Lawrence of Arabia. I probably will sooner or later. I haven't been out to see a huge amount recently. Um, the Neon Demon is apparently very good, the new, the new Nicholas Winding Raffin film. Well, I've, I've very much got into the um, Commodian Mayo podcast recently. Good. And Mark was saying that... a lot. There's a lot of people saying that Neon Demon's very vacuous. But I think he likes it because of that, and that's partly its raison d'etre. Well, his movies are very stylized. Drive. I love Drive. Very stylized movie. Yeah, very stylized. Um, Only God Forgives. Even more so, to, to actually to the detriment of the movie. Uh, Valhalla Rising. Bronson. Oh, is that the... With Tom Hardy. Have I seen that? With, as he, with the moustache and the bald head. In prison? Yeah. Yes, I have seen that. Again, really stylized. So, but it's he can he can balance the two of having make it look really weird, but it still has a, like a, a core of intelligence and intellectual thought. Hmm. Now, I th- yeah, I think I've seen Drive a couple of times. I think it was a great film. He has apparently uh, written to the BBC asking to do Doctor Who. <laughs> I really. He's a big Doctor Who fan and a big oh, Blake Seven fan. I love yeah. Is Blake Seven G for a reboot? Did I read that somewhere? That they, it's gonna... keep, they keep saying it's apparently Amazon was going to do it. I think um, it'd be great. No, not Amazon, Microsoft. Uh, my, wow. They were going to launch their own uh, sort of uh, online network. Um, and apparently that hasn't happened. I know PlayStation have. Hmm. I've seen their first series. Everybody's a broadcaster now. I know. PlayStation actually did well. They did a series called Powers. About oh. um, cops in a world where superheroes are real. Oh, okay. But with because we need some more superhero. Contacts. Well, it was it was very dark, very adult, with lots of swearing, but an amazing cast: Charlotte Copley in the lead role from District Nine, and okay. and uh, Eddie Izzard as the villain. 
Oh, I do not think Eddie Izzard is a good actor. It doesn't require him to do very much. Not good. He's very good at running, but I don't think he can act. Actually, a film I saw quite recently, which I don't think has got good reviews, is <laughs> The Trust, Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, but I read a review of that in Sight and Sound, and I remember thinking that they seemed like they wanted to praise it more than they did. Well, I, I think, again, Mark Mode didn't like it. He thought it was a mess. But I really liked it, and it was really unusual, and to the extent I didn't really know where it was going, and it was quite dark, which I like. Um, it was basically a heist sort of movie, but it was, I thought it was really good. Mm. And Nicolas Cage didn't too cage it. No, he... <sighs> I mean, he does cage it quite he a lot. He does, yeah. You never really know what you're going to get with him, do you? <laughs> no, but I thought it was great. Maybe. One thing I do like about Nicolas Cage is he's always really making an effort. <laughs> he's always... Uh, he's never low energy. <laughs> well, that's true, but maybe he might want to try that sometime. <laughs> it's, it's, it's comparing that with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis turns up and doesn't give a shit. Whereas Nicolas Cage, even if he knows he's in a terrible straight-to-video movie... He is going to act the shit out of it. Okay, so what? who is halfway between Bruce Willis and Nicolas Cage? Who's the ideal? Well, Harrison Ford kind of oscillates between the two. Because in some, he really doesn't care. And in some, he's really making an effort. You need somebody called Bruce Cage. Or Nicholas. Nicholas Willis. Mm. He just sounds like, such, like, a, he sounds like a shoe shop. <laughs> Freeman Hardy and Nicholas Willis. Nicholas, Freeman Hardy and Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Do you know what I've just been re-watching? And it's a few years old, but Nip Tuck, did you ever watch it? I watched the first series and a bit. And I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's really soapy and fun, and it's definitely worth watching, especially mm. the first four series. And it deals with sort of really interesting aspects, which I think it's all based on real stories. Right. So people coming in and asking for things to be done to them. Um, and all sorts of the moral aspects around that. It's a good, good series. Mm. I might be interested in watching it again. I do have like a... I've got such a huge backlog of stuff mm. uh, on DVD that I haven't watched that I have to go through and watch on, on weeknights, on school nights. Yes. An episode of sort of hour-long drama and <laughs> an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Because I've got a big pile of unwatched Doctor Who DVDs. Uh, hang on. Unwatched? As in you've never seen these? I haven't watched the... I've seen the stories, like on video... But oh. I haven't actually watched the DVD oh, okay. right. copies. Yeah. And the hour-long ones I've recently been watching have been alternating between The X-Files and Millennium. The new X-Files. No, the original the series. Original. Do you know, I wanted to go back. I never watched X-Files the first time round. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm going to start and watch them all. And I watched about three or four episodes. But it, it's quite dated, quite linear, and quite slow. And have I moved on or have drama moved on? It imp- the first so you start at the be- at the very beginning of course um, should I carry on with it is it going to get better for me or is it was it of, of its time it imp- and I've just mentioned now for your podcast listeners I've met Gillian Anderson carry on you are going to be the envy of a lot of people <laughs> I didn't know that you'd met Gillian Anderson yep Oh, no, only very briefly. I'm going to have to hug you later and have some of her atoms come off. <laughs> yeah, I took a photograph of her. 
I have to show you that, that is. Oh, uh, so you took a photograph of the two of you? No, no, no. Oh, for, oh, for work. Yes. Right. Is that is that over and above the Kylie Minogue one then? <laughs> yeah, she's also met Kylie Minogue, listener. And Bill Gates. That's impressive, and but for a different reason. <laughs> yes, very different reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I've heard that Bill Gates is actually really nice. He was very nice, yeah, for the brief moment I saw him. You don't you And know. Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, he, he does seem great. And he's a big Doctor Who fan. Oh, is he? Apparently, yeah. Oh. And he was nearly in Star Trek. Oh, that would be good. Do you remember Star Trek First Contact? The next generation one with the I Borg. never... Oh, the film? Yes. I would have seen it. I don't remember the specifics. The one where they travel back to when... They first built the warp drive. Okay, I don't remember the decision. And it was the scientist. He was going to play the scientist who built the first warp drive, but he couldn't do it. He was busy making another film. Which was that thing you do. The first one he directed. Oh, I don't know. So they cast James Cromwell instead, and he was very good. Okay. Uh, With the X Files, the first series is weak because they're still trying to figure out how it works, and they're. they're having to set up all the cliches that they later undermine in better stories. Okay. Well, when, what type of cliches? Story. Or... Like the 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 po-facedness of it. it the X Files really comes into its own where it's puncturing its own seriousness, and where it's oh, able okay. to balance the the dark tone and the sort of the, the the grim environment of it with humour, and where they can, they can actually. That starts sending up Molly a bit as saying, "Yes, this guy actually is a weirdo, and we shouldn't be taking him." And yeah. Scully becomes a bit more relaxed and a bit looser. They take they, the stick out of her. Yes, yeah. and they really start growing into their <laughs> roles, and the chemistry becomes a lot more relaxed. I would, re- I mean, if you can, I'd recommend kind of just skipping through can't, quite quite a few dud episodes. Can't, can't skip. I'd have to. Uh, I'm the completest. The first episode, I still think, is a really good piece of television. Because it sets everything up really well, and Mulder's a lot more relaxed than he is for the rest of the first series. Okay. And there's that great scene where he and Scully are in the hotel room together, and he explains why he is so obsessed with investigating the X-Files, because it's because of his sister. And um, that helps yeah. to re- yes. really understand yeah. why he is the way he is, and Scully gets to like it. And it's, that's a nice thing. Oh. But I'm up to... I'm halfway... Th- I'm up few episodes into season six of the X-Files. So are you working up to the new ones? or have you, have I've already seen the new ones. Any uh, good? I haven't heard great things. Um, a bit mixed, but no worse than mm, the later years of the show. I mean, there were, I mean, the conspiracy story is now totally played out, and it, it's dull and it's complicated and it doesn't work. But the individual episodes are pretty good. And there's a comedy episode, which is one of the best episodes they've ever done. In six? Oh, I'm going to have to work. In, no, season, in the new season, season ten. Oh, sorry. one in of the, the best new... episodes they've ever, they've ever done. But it's a comedy one. Oh, I do like a comedy episode. It's very, very good. It's very clever. They, it's... Did they do a musical episode? Most... They still haven't done a musical episode. But the one I just watched in my rewatching is one that they filmed on the Queen Mary. And they set it up so that... Uh, right. Each episode is 44 minutes, right? Yeah. Divided into four for the ad breaks. Yeah. The first three quarters of it each are set up as being one single take. Oh, wow. But obviously not actually one single take because they've got to join it all together. But um, Mulder gets... Mulder investigates a ghost ship and goes off on his own. 
and ones that follow through a hole in time to 1939 on this cruise liner that's just been commanded by the Nazis. Gosh. Whilst in Washington, um, Scully gets enlisted to try and find out where he is. And, it's, and each chunk is done as a single take. And in, th- in the, the last quarter, it's cr- cuts between them, the, these, these two time periods, as they sort of seem to cross over. And it's, nice. it's, very, it's very cleverly done. Now, you just reminded me of another film I saw not so long ago, because you talked about the single take. It's Victoria? Hmm. Jeremy is drinking a drink. Sorry, I was having a big drink of drink. <laughs> yes. Would you like to pause for a second and have a big, bigger drink of drink? I was expecting you to continue talking. If you drunk your drink. I feel, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's very good. Jeremy, you haven't seen any of these films I've seen. I've been very busy. Um, I thought it was extraordinary. Um, I think, considering that it was, um, you know, the style in it was that it was shot, it mm. could have been quite, they could have taken nice, safe, easy route to yeah. do and I don't think they did and I think the story was very good I think the acting was phenomenal I mean it was p- perfect um, uh, really believable and considering these actors had to do it sort of without a break especially the main character Victoria she I mean she was on screen pretty much all the whole time wow. it was it, it's definitely worth seeing it's not they've done that with another film haven't they some Russian film Russian arc. yeah which I think was very big wasn't it it's filmed entirely around the Hermitage, but it's the idea was that it's kind of the last three hundred years of Russian history as you walk through the Hermitage, and it has like sketches of history acted out okay. in each room. So it's very, very stylized, but all done for real and in real time. I think there's a scene in The Wire as well where they just did a whole lot um, uncut, and it's only sort of at the end you realise that it was. Have you you've seen The Wire? I've seen the first three seasons of The Wire, but I got bored. Well, I think it was better the early seasons. I found that it wasn't telling me anything I didn't already know. Which what I know about sa- life. Yeah. Really. I know that's I know that sounds really haughty and pretentious, but I thought yeah, I know this. I I know that you know, that the that the press doesn't work the way we think it does and that you know, this mm. and you know, police corruption, that kind of thing. I I understand this already. Uh, this is no great revelation for me and the characters aren't very interesting and I've not engaged with this at all. <laughs> OK, so you kind of fly in the face of public opinion quite a lot, Jeremy, don't you? In why, fact, why do you think I have a podcast? That's what I was going to ask you. What qualifies you to tell people why is your opinion important or interesting? Because I own the microphone. <laughs> so these films where the general consensus is that they're not great and you think, or that, they're, or, that, or that they're not well known, or that they should be better known than they are. Okay. But do you accept that your tastes are not perhaps typical? Well, if they were typical, there wouldn't be any point in my doing this, because I would just be representing the consensus. Exactly. So, seeing as the listeners are a big podgepodge of people, the chances are they're more likely to disagree with you than agree with you. Is that correct? And that is good, because that generates discussion and debate okay just wondered I think it's important that people have their critical opinions on this sort of thing not challenged that sounds a bit too aggressive but discussed discussed and we enter into a, into a, into a talk about it well I wondered because I don't know if you've said that in your podcast 
well, the, the kind of there's basically a mission statement that it's films that I feel are neglected or unfairly dismissed. But I think why you? Because George asked people for volunteers <laughs> to host the show, and I stuck my hand up. But that doesn't—that's—that's that's not a good enough reason. I think the reason is, Jeremy, you know a lot. You're selling yourself short. You know so much about films. I think you do have a valid opinion. Oh, thank you. you. That's, that's a better excuse. <laughs> yes, um, you're very knowledgeable. You've seen a lot, and I think you have good instincts. But you, I'd like you to tell people. It doesn't come across. Well, thank I you. I want to know why you're doing it rather than somebody else. Because I'm. And because you've got a passion. Yeah, I was just about to say. That. <laughs> um, because I have a real passion in this subject. The film that sort of started everything off is The Saint. I remember you talking about The Saints. And as of this recording, I've already released that podcast because it's a film that was largely ignored when it came out. The people who did sort of review it or react to it were generally fairly dismissive. I saw it some months later and I absolutely loved it. And it's my second favourite film. Mm. And Mm. on that podcast, I spend over two hours explaining why. Um to the point where I managed to convince someone that, yeah, it really is a great film. (laughs) And I've even actually met people since then who've said, oh, I really love that movie. (laughs) So there is this, like, secret underground movement of people who think that's a great film. But I wonder if they're the... Is it the case that all these people will like the same underground films. I suppose taste is too specific isn't it? It's too subjective I don't think. Don't you find it frustrating when it's like if there's a song you really love or comedy you love or a film you love and you're trying to get somebody to like it and they don't. It's really frustrating. It's not really a problem if I can't get someone to like it. It's if they dismiss it out of hand. That really annoys me. People dismiss The Saint out of hand because it was a remake of of it's not well it's mar- mostly based on the Roger Moore TV series, but it takes a lot of liberties with it. And people didn't like the fact that it's a very, very loose adaptation of the original material. So they were happy to dismiss it. I thought, oh, it's an American playing it. Oh, it's too modern. Oh, he's um, hanging around with a woman for more than half the movie because they didn't tend to do that on the TV show. So they would dismiss it out of hand. And it's... and. With the other side of the, the, the podcast idea that it's films that are not very well known, films that people aren't even aware of in the first place. Yeah. And say, no, you watch this. You might really like it. You might not, but it's something that you won't have seen before and you might find interesting. Mm. Like Safe. Like <laughs> either version of Safe. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Or another one um, we, um, I talked about recently with my friend Amy a film called Juggernaut which is like a a kitchen sink British play for today version of the Poseidon Adventure (laughs) so So it's 70s 1974 Obama has put some bombs on a cruise ship and and they're going to go off at dawn I thought you said Obama (laughs) no 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 no. a bomber a bomber has placed bombs on a cruise ship they'll they'll go off at dawn unless his demands are met Um, and you've got Omar Sharif as the captain of the ship Okay. you've got Richard Harris as the head of the bomb disposal team and uh, Anthony Hopkins as the head of the police Great. task force. And it's a really amazing cast. Mm. But it's very down-to-earth, very serious... Well, it's, it's taken seriously, but there's a lot of humour in it. 
because how do British react to crises? We make jokes about it. And there's the whole running thing where it's the, oh, the, the sea's too rough for them to launch any lifeboats. So it's like, it's like, a, like being on a British ferry. The entertainment's terrible. The food is awful. The weather is appalling. And on top of all of that, there are bombs on board. It's like, it couldn't possibly get any worse. That sounds great. It's a really good movie. Roy Kinnear is in it as the entertainment's officer. And he's the most fascinating character in the whole movie. But the movie is barely known, and even the DVD release is both terrible and under a different title for no reason. It's when really... you say terrible, what quality? Or... Uh, very, very poor picture quality, and it's, it's framed incorrectly. So you have to, if you've got a widescreen TV, you've got to change the setting, the aspect, the aspect ratio, to squash the sides in so that it's actually the right shape. And then it's just like this long postage stamp <laughs> in the middle of a black screen. Great. And for some reason, the DVD is retitled Terror on the Britannic but not on the actual copy, just on the cover of the disc, for no reason. OK, so I might not get round to watching that, then. Have you seen Slow West? No. Have <laughs> you seen no recent... I mean, that wasn't that recent. It's not that recent, it's no, not that recent A couple of years. Yeah. Um, I saw Batman vs Superman. <laughs> I've heard that's terrible. It's just an it advert for lots of other things. So there's no well, films no- that we've both watched... Uh, it's not that it's an advert. Well, it, it is, but it's also, it's also a really terrible movie. Yeah. Um, it's basically Batman's a murderer now, and Superman goes around threatening to kill people. So it's hard to know which of them you want to win. Yeah. It's I'm... like Alien versus Predator. Like they're <laughs> both murderers. <laughs> no, nobody wins. Let's root for them. Oh my god! They should have called it that because Superman's an alien, and Batman goes around preying on people. It is Alien versus Predator. That might have got confusing. Alien versus Predator, Dawn of Justice. I can't believe I've only just thought of that. Because Zack Snyder... But of course, but why would they call it that, Jeremy? Because you'd think... But it... no one else has called it that. I think that would be a very easy nickname. Because it's true. I don't know what to tell you. If only you were writing reviews for The Sun and you could have used that as your headline. I wouldn't write reviews for The Sun. <laughs> Um, what else have I seen recently? It's all Green Room. That was good. Do you know, I've started watching it. I haven't finished watching it. That's not a good sign, is it? Why did you stop? Because I thought, oh, I didn't. I had to go to bed. And I thought I'd watch it the next day, and then I didn't. I will watch it. Okay. But I've, I heard great things about it. It is very good. Yeah. Anton Yelchin again. Well, I kind of, it didn't really engage me, I guess. But I will That's, continue um, with this. Well, it's a shame you didn't like it. Did well, you... I didn't. I did not like it. I just haven't. Maybe I haven't watched enough of it. Um, did you see Blue Ruin, the director's previous film? No. Oh, that was very good. Oh, the Andromeda Strain. I saw that during the week. What the original? Yeah, I think I think that's the only version. I think I've read the book. Is there a book? No, hang on. So not the Andromeda Strain. I was. <laughs> yeah. I was say, I say that's the, Michael Crichton, isn't it? Why did it? I say the Andromeda Strain? I don't know. I thought I wondered why you came up with that because that's like a 1970s. Well, the thing, film, well, the thing is, I, I meant to say the China syndrome, <laughs> but I think I got lost on the way to my mouth. Oh, maybe was it originally called the Andromeda syndrome? No, no, um, no, I don't think so. I mean, the Andromeda—I haven't seen the Andromeda strain in years. I've read the book, and the book's good. So you just brought me two books off your shelf, yeah, um, of previous episodes. Yeah. So you got 2010. Yep. Uh, which is very good. But you've got the novelisation of THX 1138. Yep. 
Sorry, Jeremy, I don't have the novelisation of Police Academy, which is the one of your podcasts that oh, I yeah. listen to. Well, actually, Police Academy was based on the book by Norman Mailer. <laughs> now, I do have a Norman Mailer, but it's <laughs> not a made-up oh, book. Oh, God, oh, man. Um, oh, I wonder if I've got any more. What other films have you done that could have been books? Um, Let's see if I've got... Well, actually, well, The Saint, obviously, is a long-running series Okay, no. Um, uh, the, well, not The Avengers. Well, there have been Avengers books, but... Oh, uh, The Medusa Touch by no. Peter Van Greenaway. No relation. Yeah, I don't think I'll have any more. But that's that's not bad. And what did I go over there to look at? Look at Andromeda I can't remember. Well, you, right, so why are you talking about the Andromeda strain? I don't know. <laughs> My brain was lying to me. The China Syndrome. Okay. Stop it. The China Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw that during the week. Um, now, what is that? It's from 1979. It's a thriller with... Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, and Michael Douglas, produced by Michael Douglas when he was back in, a, in his film producing days. And um, it's about a TV reporter who keeps getting all that, like the, the crappy, soft news jobs, like, oh, there's a chimp's birthday party at the zoo. Oh, this woman has turned 70. Oh, there's a parade. And so, she, and she really has, she wants to do proper journalism. So, like the female character in Anchorman. Yes. <laughs> in fact, looks a lot like her. As well. <laughs> maybe that's maybe it's based <laughs> yeah. on. Um, but she, and she's doing like this whole series of puff pieces about the energy industry, and she's going and she's having a guided tour of a nuclear power station. And while she's there, they have an emergency, and they're told not to film. But the cameraman is Pepper Michael Douglas, is sort of covertly got the camera still Sneaky. on, filming through the glass. And the head technician is played by Jack Lemmon. And as as they sort of try and follow up on this, say, that was nearly a nuclear accident. So, oh, no, 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 it's, it's fine, don't worry about it. No, every, <laughs> everything's fine, nothing went wrong. There was just a slight hitch, nothing to worry about. But Jack Lemmon knows that there was actually something a lot more serious. And to then turns into like a, a proper 70s conspiracy thriller. Sort of on the back of some Cold War conspiracy. Well, it's, it's not really Cold War, but it's about the energy industry. And it's okay. about nuclear power. So well, it's a bit, right, the worry about en- nuclear war. Yeah, so it's kind of a bit Edge of Darkness y. Okay. Um, but very relevant still. And with less sort of um, being in love with your own daughter kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Was it you? Who, I think it might have been you who first mentioned that to me about Edge of Darkness. That yes. it, is, it is a lot creepier than yeah. I was prepared to accept. Yeah, he got her vibrator out. I know. That's one thing that the, it's one thing that the movie managed to do in a way that was a lot cleverer. Because rather than that, the the, the police uh, officer, the police come to and everything. And after the police have gone, he realises he still has blood on his hands. And he goes to wash the blood off. And as he's doing that, he realises that's the last time he's ever going to touch her. Hmm. And you kind of see it just through just Mel Gibson's acting, because he's a very good actor. Yeah. Because, you know, he convinces for all these years that he didn't hate Jude. <laughs> um, and you just see, this is the last time I'm ever going to touch her. Yeah. And it was very that's nice. hard to watch, in a way, because the, you could see the pain in his face. And it sort of achieved that without being creepy. quite so weird and creepy <laughs> as kissing your daughter's vibrator. <laughs> I wonder where Troy Kennedy Martin got that idea I, from when he wrote that. Well, yeah, it's... Um, 
I mean, in a way, it's good because it's so unexpected and unusual. Yeah. So I don't really have a problem with it at all. But it's, yeah, it was just surprising. Yeah. (laughs) But the China Syndrome is really good. Okay. And one thing I really like about it is there's no non-diegetic... Hang on, is that the right one? I never remember which way around it is either. There's there's no music score. The only music in the film is stuff that's actually playing within the scene. So there's a song over the opening titles because the characters are driving around and it's on the radio. Okay. And it's and they, it's in the mix as if it's the theme song of the movie. And then when they get to the place and they turn the radio off, the, film, the song stops. But there's no music apart from that. Do you know, funny enough, when I watched Jason Statham's Safe, the music in it, it's just, I made a note that it was just really your standard run-of-the-mill sort of action movie. And I, I think so many movies like that could be raised to another level with a really good soundtrack. So it's something like Drive... Half of it is just the amazing soundtrack. And I think filmmakers forget about the soundtrack sometimes, that they just put these sort of expected stuff in. But you can really make or break a film in the soundtrack. And I think, personally, the best example of that is American Beauty, which is an amazing soundtrack. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, which had just been copied and copied. Was it Newman? Thomas Newman, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Drive is a great example of that. There was an alternative version of Drive that yeah, was shown on BBC Three with with a completely different soundtrack. Yeah, it wasn't as good. No, although it didn't it didn't damage the film. No. In any way, I think that's just the, but, the strength of the yeah. other elements of it. But it, it lessened the impact of it. But it can, yeah, a soundtrack can can make or break mm. a film. I think. I think that's Quentin Tarantino's secret. Because a lot of his films oh, yeah. are fairly crappy, I think. But yeah, they live on through the soundtrack. But, he, but he's, yeah. he has very, very good musical taste. But yeah, absolutely. Who else is putting like funk in crime movies? That you know, who who else had that idea mm, for him? Mm, no one. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. If that's well, true. Well, well, that is, that's, Shaft. Well, yeah, but at the time that was totally contemporary. Yes, yeah. uh, I'd, I mean. I'd love to see an action movie now with like a car chase scored to across 110th Street. That would be fantastic because that's a fa- that's such a great funk record. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm a white guy and I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> for for the listeners at home, yes, he is white. They've seen photographs of me. <laughs> They've thrown darts at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Toby Hooper throwing darts at pictures of me. The world's worst filmmaker. Okay, well, I don't know who that is. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. He's awful. I don't think he thinks much of you either. <laughs> good. <laughs> don't want him in my house. Okay, so what what good comedy on TV have you seen recently? Taskmaster. I love Taskmaster. There's a second series, isn't there now? Which is already finished. Oh, I've missed it. I can watch it. Do you know, I was... I think... the f- I've only seen the first series, mm-hmm. and the because I, I love Tim Key, people like that. Everybody in it was brilliant. I loved it, and I, I've been telling people about it. I think it's genius. It's, I, didn't, I haven't met anybody else who's seen it. It's such a simple idea. It's such yeah. an obvious idea for a show that doesn't really, really have a format as such. It's just comedians are set challenges. Well, no, I think it's very formatted. Them. It's extremely but it, formatted. But, but, but it doesn't seem like it's groundbreaking in any way. It's just... The individual ideas that go, they have, they have to, they, comedians doing challenges. But what the challenges are, and the way that the comedians are required to approach them, I think makes it 
very fresh. Well, I disagree because I think it is very innovative because they put them in this house. Usually they just sat. There's um, a radio producer who's who says that panel shows are just excuses for people to be funny behind desks. And this right. gets them outside of these desks and, and they're, they're recording over a long period of time. Um, it's completely new way of doing a panel show. And, I, yeah, I think it's brilliant. So is the second series as good? I would say the only drawback with the second series is it's not as many episodes. For some reason, they only did five. Oh, really? Oh, how unusual. Um, and it's a, it's a different group of contestants. Yep, so they've got one woman... A blue they, tree woman. They still have what, and actually, they've already it's shot just, a third series oh, great. with one woman out of uh, five. Yeah, it's, it's just reminding me about you know this rule that the, I think it is the BBC that say that we've got to have at least one woman on every panel show. Okay. Yeah, but from my point of view, as a public service broadcaster, it should have fifty percent women on every panel show. The whole point of the BBC is it's supposed to be representative and representing. Yeah. Why? Why one? That's just a random... It's just ridiculous. Um, anyway, yeah, is Catherine Ryan on the It's Catherine one? Ryan, Who yeah. Who else is in it? Um, Doc Brown. He's great. Um, Who stands in for Mark Mode sometimes. Not Mark Mode for Simon Mayer. Oh, right. Yeah. Joe Wilkinson. Love Joe. John Richardson. Love John. And love Catherine. That's four. And Richard Osman. I like Richard as well. And they do make a fuss. They do make a joke out of that. Oh, in which four comedians and Richard Osman. <laughs> yeah, Richard has been the bane of my life recently, because um, every Radio Four panel show have independently booked him, and I then see. he's on everything at the same time. I think he's building an extension on his house, so he's doing everything for the money at the moment. He's in everything. But he's great. I but love he him. Is, but he is entertaining. He's very entertaining. And the thing that... And he's very tall. An important thing is, because he's not a comedian, he's just someone who is funny. Yeah. He's never trying to incorporate bits of his act. Yes. What, like they do on Mock the Week? Like chance. they do on Mock the Week. And they can't really do that on Taskmaster either, because yeah. they're being told to go and do things. Well, that's it, yeah. It's not just them doing stand-up. It's they, they can, because Joe, I mean, Joe Wilkinson is playing up his his comedy persona yeah, of being yeah, a yeah. horrible tramp creature <laughs> but but within this other context yeah it's funny I don't think many people have found it because it's on Dave yeah um, they, I mean they've been putting effort into the publicity I heard about it because I saw the billboards when it's when they started airing it last year okay people in the kind of circles are running well don't watch it but I've been banging on about it because I think it is it is very, really very good. good yeah. I mean, as I said, they've already shot a third series. It must be quite expen- relatively expensive to make for Dave. I'm not saying amazing expensive, but compa- it's probably cheaper than a sitcom. Cheaper than Red Dwarf. Well, yeah. Which they're also doing. Yeah. Of which the last series was much better than the few before. Well, they've already shot two more series. Well, the, the last one that was on TV yeah. went back to basics and really yes. benefited from it. I think that they need to have more writers because at the moment it is Doug Naylor writing and directing every episode. Oh, okay. Which isn't great. And did you know that I've held hands with Danny John Jules? Yes, I think I was there. Not at that point. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listener, guess. <laughs> anyway, um,. Something I've just discovered is workaholics. 
All right. Have you seen it? Sick American uh, no, sitcom. No, I haven't. Have I've heard, heard of it? it. It's very good. Now, you you like Sunny. It's always Sunny. Yes. It's not anywhere near the same, but if you, I think if you like Sunny, you'd like Workaholics. It's about three guys working in an office who just shouldn't be working. I see. Shouldn't be in an office. So give it a go. I think you'll like it. They're, the difference is, is they're likeable. In Sunny... They're, oh, they're, they're all they're, horrible. They're all horrible, and which is the joke. Yeah. That's, it's so weird how Sunny works, because it's so engaging, yeah. and yet the characters are the worst people in the, the world. horrible, horrible people. I mean, Dennis is a psychopath. Oh, yeah, Dennis is, <laughs> Dennis is uh, pretty much a serial killer and rapist. Yeah, yeah. And, Mac, I mean, Mac is... A, an aggressive, aggressively closeted <laughs> gay person. Yeah. Charlie is. Uh, I love Charlie. Charlie is some kind of toilet creature. <laughs> but don't, uh, Charlie is just—he's my favourite character. He's brilliant. And the, he's... <laughs> I've seen Charlie Day in other things, and he's basically playing Charlie again, yeah. except being able to read. <laughs> he's in Pacific Rim. Oh, is he? The um, Guillermo del And he's basically playing, you know, if Charlie was able to read and wasn't a horrible creature. <laughs> I saw him uh, introducing Saturday Night Live. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he did it with um, Danny DeVito. But he, like, he's an amazing musician and singer as yeah. well, isn't he? Yeah. Talented. They're re- yeah, they're, they're, so, they're really, really talented. It's a great show. Yeah. But there's one episode that stands out, which is uh, one where they just <laughs> convince Dee she's... Is it Dick? I can't remember now. They convince her she's famous, but it's all a oh, scam. Yeah. They basically ruin her life. It's just brilliant. Poor oh. Dee. It's funny because I really like that, but I also really like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is the polar opposite yeah. in terms of tone it's because that's luminous. It's really bright and yeah. upbeat and positive, but it's also really, really funny. I, c- I couldn't. I watched a few episodes and I just didn't get into it. It's like Modern Family I didn't get into either. It's too mainstream. My mum really likes Modern Family. It's a mainstream comedy. Mm. No, but it is. <laughs> it is. Even though they try to sort of show, oh, there's different types of families. Yeah. But yeah, it's still... I think it. I think Modern Family, is. it's been a positive influence, generally, of presenting this, that kind of blended, multiracial, multi... Um, orientation yeah. family and just saying yeah this is fine yeah. this is you know, it's normalising yeah, yeah. normalising it and uh, to the American public I think that's important it would be nice if it was better but I think it's quite entertaining on yeah. a you know on a bog standard BBC One exactly yeah. BBC One but it's you know it's like, like a, my family it's, yeah. yeah it's like a yeah. yeah have you seen The Middle I think I've seen a couple of episodes. I wasn't overly taken with it. No, I wasn't. And somebody recommended it to me. Somebody who knows a lot about comedy. And I just thought, oh, this, this same kind of thing. It's very uh, middle of the road, family orientated, blah, blah, blah. But I couldn't stop watching it. I've watched every episode. And it's huh. something about... It, it's actually the kids that are the really good characters in it. Hmm. And some of it's quite annoying. And it's just easy to watch. But... I kind of got addicted to it, but it's—I don't know why. Mm. I like Bob's Burgers. You recommended that to me. I haven't watched them yet. Watch them. Watch the burgers. Watch the episodes. Watch the episodes. It's 
certainly supplanted The Simpsons. Actually, it's, I mean, it's supplanted the others as well. It's the best animated sitcom currently running. Okay. Um, I haven't watched Archer yet, but I was planning on I've seen a few episodes of Archer. It's all right. It's actually the same lead voice actor as Bob's Burgers. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I'm not overly motivated to watch any more of it, right. but it's, I didn't have a problem with it in any way. But Bob's Burgers is... It has that sense of like the early Simpsons when it was still being weird. Okay, yeah. But also charming and quite warm. All right, so I will be giving it a go at some point. I've got something that I've been sucked into, which isn't very good, <laughs> but I can't stop watching it. Well, what is that? It's is perfect it? for cinema limbo. Yeah, Lucifer. Oh, it's the one where the devil becomes a cop. Well, sort of. He he helps the cops, but it's based on a, like a Neil Gaiman idea. So it's um, one of his right. Uh, Sandman comic books. Yes, oh, uh, that's it. Something like that. Yeah. So right. yeah. So it's the guy. I can't remember his name. Who's the love interest from Miranda? Tom Ellis. Yeah, that's it. Who you? I had no idea. He's really, really tall because he acts with Miranda. <laughs> I know you notice. did. You just notice. Um, and it's it's just he's very over the top, and it's kind of predictable and procedural. But there is sort of this other thing running throughout all the episodes, and it's it kind of got better, and I really enjoyed it. But it's very as a sort of entertaining thing. It's not very. It, he's quite funny it's, in it. It's entertaining trash. Yeah, but it's, it's a little bit more trash. than that. It's a bit more than the trash because there is this... Disposable, perhaps. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping they're doing another series. Um, I don't know that they are. Oh, I'm really annoyed that they're not making another series of Limitless. Now, I don't know if you see this. It's all Limitless. Based on the film. Right. So the film with Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. was fine. I think right. it's quite an entertaining film. I don't know how you feel about it. I haven't seen it either. Oh, really? It's Yeah, it's... Well filmed, good idea, could have been taken further. Mm. But I thought I'll give the series a go. The series is brilliant, really, really good. The, uh, Bradley Cooper's in it as, as well. I think he's an uh, exec producer on it. Right. Um, but the guy who plays the main character is absolutely brilliant, really funny, it's really well written, and then I don't think they're doing another series, and I'm very upset. No, I have heard that's been cancelled. Yeah, very upset. What do you think about this new Star Trek series that they're doing? I don't know anything about it. The showrunner is Brian Fuller, who did Hannibal. Okay, I haven't seen that. I, I have only watched the original Star Trek, so I've never watched any of the later series. Well, this it feels like they're trying to make it both more mainstream and more weird. Because oh. like the, 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 the new Trek, like Next Generation, New Space Nine Voyager, they tended to be too, too clean and too, a bit too serious... What about, wasn't there a prequel as well? Enterprise, yeah. Which, is, again, it's not bad. I've seen a few episodes of it. Mm. My parents really like it, mm. oddly. But uh, this is, it's, uh, it's the guy who did Hannibal's doing it, who was previously a staff writer on some of the other series, who did, has done a whole stream of odd but main, odd but main network drama series. So what's the premise? We don't know. Ooh. It's all been kept very secret. Um, they've announced who some of the writing people are, including Nicholas Mayer, writer-director of The Wrath of Khan, <gasps> and who wrote a couple of other... Hang on. 
Oh yeah, he must be getting on a bit. Yeah, him. but he's still around, and okay. he also co-wrote *The Voyage Home* and co-wrote and directed *The Undiscovered Country*, which is the one with the whale in it. *Voyage Home* is the one with the whales. Yeah. *Undiscovered Country* is the one with uh, the Klingon prison moon. Yeah, that's better. Yes, yeah, so I mean, so the good ones. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they've announced he's directing the pilot, and it's like a guy who's directed a lot of pilot for TV. Um, but no, they haven't said what the premise is. They haven't said who's going to be in it. It's all been very, very hush hush. <laughs> Who, which, who's which network? Uh, well, it's it's CBS, but they're doing okay. it online. Oh, so it's going to be on CBS's online platform. Okay, and in the rest of the world, it's going to be on Netflix. Okay, and it's launching in the new year. Oh well, I might give it a go. I think it should be interesting. The idea of this sort of like all all star writing staff doing Star Trek and apparently being able to do whatever they want sounds interesting yeah I like the idea of Star Trek becoming a bit more not edgy but not having to play it safe all the time yeah I like the sound of that as well but I still want to go back and watch all the original series again and do due a review on VHS uh, oh because you've still got all I've the VHS still got the VHS, tapes, VHS yeah that cost an arm and a leg really expensive well, they've just added all the original TV series to Netflix in preparation for this. Okay, so, it's not the same. I want to watch them on my VHS. <laughs> I, well, there's a lot that I haven't seen before, so I'm looking forward to going back and... Oh, really? There's probably some original series episodes I haven't seen. Okay, I did, when I got my VHSs 15, 20 years ago now, um, I did watch them all. Yeah, some in the third series are quite dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> there's one they just filmed in a black room because they didn't have enough money. Isn't there one where they the remove empath? Spock's brain and he's fine? <laughs> that doesn't say much for him, does it? <laughs> he's Vulcan. We don't know how their brains work. It might be fine. Well, presumably they have to work inside his body. Is I don't it... remember the ins and outs, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, the out, or the out was his brain. Or the in, back in afterwards. Did he just carry it around under his arm? So... In summary, yeah, uh, you'd recommend Safe Story and Jason Statham. Well, I'd say if you like action films, it's perfectly serviceable. Okay. Well, I'd recommend Safe Story and Julianne okay. Moore as sort of an intelligent um, dissection of late 20th century anxieties. Okay. Um, yeah, I think this has been a good show. <laughs> it's exactly what you wanted to happen, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you think you'll watch... The, the movie that I was hoping that you would watch? Um, yeah, you've just about convinced me. Good. Are you going to watch Safe with Jason Statham? I'll keep an eye out for it. Okay. I think it's on Netflix, so I'll, I'll add that to my queue. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it at the beginning of your list, but it's sort of... the bottom 20%. <laughs> Thanks to Amanda for making time for this recording, and our actual discussion of Safe will follow in a week's time. Cinema Limbo is now on iTunes, with more than 20 episodes available, so please subscribe, download and review before the wind changes. But until next time, listen all y'all, it's a sabotage. Goodbye. You have been listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, edited by Martin Fenton, with music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcast Network, Come and visit us at www.podnose.com.
Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. Now that the cast have made two movies together, they actually gel as a crew really well. So the chemistry between them really works now. And ironically, of course, the next movie is... Ironically, of course... (laughs) 